The conversation during the break led me to an update in my personal sub rankings. Sandwich rankings. I think Jersey Mike's has surpassed all other sub places for me, and they've now moved into the number one position after just eating a couple of the giant club subs because I'm fat and I do like to get the giant sub clubs, but they're just so good. I do think the Jersey Mike's sizes are little hit or miss because they you do have the happy medium with other sub places, and I feel like the regular's a little too small and the giant's a little too big. But I do like the Jersey Mike subs. And the last time, they've just been hitting so much, man. I'm going number one right now. Why do you have to be fat to enjoy good food? Well, it's just a lot. People say that, but I'm I'm not. No, I'm not saying that I enjoy it, and that's why I'm fat. I'm saying because I eat what are basically two regular-sized subs in one sitting. Ooh. I mean, I could do that. Well, No, I I know you. Yes. I'm with you 100%. But the giant sub at Jersey Mike's, it's basically two regular sizes side by side. Yeah. And that's what I'm getting. Because it's 16. is a 16, right? Yes. I think, I think the giant is Right. 16. I think regular's well, eight. And that's why Jimmy you pay. John's. I don't know. I no, Jimmy that's John's. the gargantuan. And I used to live off the gargantuan <laughs> in college. I would get the JJ yeah. constantly. I go, yeah. Gargantuan, I, I just rephrasing. With, with Jersey Mike's. I haven't been there in quite a while, but... Um, and then, like you said, Harris Teeter, too. But the Harris Teeter sub, and they pack that thing, man. Oh, like, yeah. the, the those things are the also monstrous. Yeah. But they're not as long as the Jersey Mike subs. Yeah. But they stuff it. But they do. They do. And you got to know the right Harris Teeters to go to. Because the one the one in Plaza, no, not the one in Plaza. It's the one on Park Road. Yeah. They make some big sandwiches at that Harris Teeter. Yeah, if you get, because I like the grilled chicken one, so there's no way they cannot stuff it because they're going to give you two boneless breasts and cut them up and it's just a lot of it's a lot of stanford p says the cheesesteak at jersey mike's it's a banger somebody else said jersey mike's makes me gag nah way more in the camp of the cheesesteak is a banger at jersey mike's and plus you're a hot sub guy and i'm a cold uh cold cut and club i do i do find myself every now and again getting a taste for jimmy john's which is because i'm not i wasn't as high on it before their bread is amazing it is and i and i do like it and it's just something about the simplicity of their sandwich and it's good. It's lettuce, tomatoes, There's nothing onions. on it. That's what I'm Lettuce, tomatoes, onions, mayonnaise, and the meat. And the cheese. There's Some, no meat or cheese on the sandwich. It's just bread. <laughs> you're talking about Jimmy John's? No. Yeah, dude. That's why I it's called Freaky with, Fast, because you don't got to put no damn no, toppings on there. You're right, but what you're doing is you're getting the Slims. That's the problem. If you yeah. actually got the bigger... the gargantuan. If you oh, got I, that, no, I, get the I don't turkey. know why I got to sound I like that. I get the one that's... Uh, <laughs> I forget what it's called, but it's got the turkey and the roast beef on it. I get that one. I don't know what it's called either. I remember the Beach Club. If you like a little avocado on yeah. your sub, the Beach Club is decent. Yeah, man. But um, and then I like Firehouse. I'm a Firehouse guy. What about Witch Witch? No. The ordering process. No, but see, their subs are good. The ordering process, though, I'd rather just tell you rather than fill out my bag. Like I get the novelty of it because you know what it is, right? With the Witch Witch, you have to, you have to. Yes. It's, it's like you're taking yes. a scantron. Yeah. I got to take a test just to get my sandwich. I don't want to do yeah. that. <laughs> I'd rather just it tell you what like it is. That. Um. What are, what are the other places? We got oh, Penn Station, Public Subs are on point. Penn Station, uh, I feel like Penn Station is the best when you want to go to a gas station when you're on a road right, trip. And then you pull right. over and you say, okay, Penn Station, right. that's fine. Low-key, uh, honorable mention, though, a little spot in Charlotte that's still open after all this time is Philly Connection. I've never been there. University. They have a really good cheesesteak. Philly Connection is pretty good. And the one in the mall, the, the Philly cheesesteak in the mall, I forget what it's called. It's got the bell on the logo, the Liberty Bell. It's pretty good. Too. Oh, I forgot about that one. I forgot. Mall food, cause listen. Oh, all don't, Chinese don't. food with the, with the with the bourbon chicken. We need to get off of that. Oh, because is there anybody more popular at the mall than the 
teriyaki chicken free sample guy. That is the most popular or person at the mall. Or give it out to bourbon. Or give it out to matter. bourbon, too. That's correct. Bourbon yes. chicken, you know, shout out to Valley Hills Mall and Hickory, wherever that guy is. It was the same guy. So if you're from Catawba County, yeah. what you know is that there was this one guy Every single weekend you went to Valley Hills Mall that was giving you the free sample of teriyaki chicken at like Saku Japan or something yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah. And that is a straight up legend, <laughs> a national treasure, a Catawba County treasure. And you also have the people that are handing out the free samples in other malls. And you are also appreciated on this show. Listen, my, my girl got me on, well, you know, drags me out to Costco um, every now and again. And I have come to discover how much I do enjoy the many samples that are available there. You could basically go there and eat a meal. At Costco's, they offer so many samples on every turn that you that you go there, and I mean, so I, I enjoy that as well. But like I said, the mall food course, I mean, because Concord Mills has a great one. The the Chinese spot that used to be the one that's still there, in the one in South Park, but. Conco Mills has a good one, but mall food courts are always legendary. Yeah, they are. I mean, they're they're fantastic. I first had Chick Fil A and Show Mars when they were only mall food court. <laughs> It's a problem staying away, too. You try to be a good boy and stay away from it, and then you just go shop and get out of there, but then you smell even the salsaritas with the nachos. I, I can't. We can't do the whole food court thing. we got to move on. We have absolutely have to try to move on and talk a little bit more about Second Take Tuesday. I did want to remind everyone about tomorrow, though. The WFNZ 20th Annual Street Turkeys presented by Ram Pavement returns to the doghouse Wednesday, November 23rd. WFNZ Second Harvest Food Bank of Metrolina and Loaves and Fishes Food Pantry join forces for a full day of gathering donations, turkeys, and canned goods to distribute holiday meals to families in need. It's the WFNZ 20th Annual Street Turkeys, presented by Ram Pavement and brought to you in part by Piedmont Natural Gas, Truist, Telware, and Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Can't tell you how excited I am. Legitimately very excited to be a part of something that I knew, knew about for a while and wasn't until this year when I got to join the family here at WFNZ. An awesome event that's going to be taking place at the Jack Daniels Doghouse just down Moorhead. So really excited to be a part of that. Coming up tomorrow where the show should be a lot of fun. Let's take a look at Second Take Tuesday here, Wes, and, and talk about the impactful plays from the Carolina Panthers on offense, and then we'll switch it up to defense. I'll go first with a third and five on offense from the Carolina 48. So the Panthers were actually driving. They have a 12-yard reception by DJ Moore. They also had the best run of the game from Deontay Foreman. Ten yards. I was like, oh, okay. I mean, it always gives you a nice feeling when the offense starts off pretty well. Deontay Foreman gets the 10-yard rush, and then you have a third and five. Can Carolina do what they have been able to do all season long and convert on third down? Well, no, because Baker Mayfield gets sacked. <laughs> Baker Mayfield doesn't see what his first or doesn't see a completion with his first read, panics a little bit, starts to try to move to the left, and then is sacked. Now, some of that's the offensive line, too. It wasn't nearly the type of panic that we saw from him that would happen the rest of the game, but there was a sack, and then that ended what was a pretty decent drive to start off, West, Two plays of 10 yards or more, and then you had the sack to end it on third and five when you possibly, you know, you pick up just one one more first down that at least leads to a field goal. Maybe you have a six nothing lead. Remember before they kicked the field goal to make it three, three later on. I thought that sack was a pretty big one, especially with them putting together a couple of good plays. Yeah. It was just one of those games to where right when you thought something was going to get going, something bad would happen. It just wasn't the offense's day. I mean, it was, you know, miscues, mistakes, 
missed assignments all day long. That's why you saw the results that you had, especially on the offensive line. There were plenty of uh, MAs, as we called them. And I'm sure when they went and watched the film, guys weren't getting good grades from their coaches, not PFF Walker. From, from their coaches, <laughs> they weren't getting good grades because it was just a mashup. Every run was just a mashup. And then, as you said, they gave up some sacks and some key times. Yeah, um, really unfortunate there as that was happening at the very beginning of the game between the Panthers and the Ravens. The last one I'll go on offense before we switch to a couple of your plays on offense here, Wes. Baker Mayfield, the pass deep right to Terrace Marshall for 24 yards. I thought that was a big one in setting up a field goal for the Carolina Panthers. So you had the pass interference. Remember, they actually kind of moved up where there wasn't a whole lot of work done after this, right? They they needed to make one play on that drive to end up with any points. The pass interference on Tommy Trimble or, or on the defender that was covering Tommy Trimble, that allowed them to get into that field goal range where eventually Eddie Pinheiro was able to knock it through. But that's a good one, right? Tried to switch it up a little bit. One bad one, one good one. The pass to Terrace Marshall, Wes, he's becoming the deep threat for the Carolina Panthers, yeah. and he's actually delivering. I, I really, really am happy about Terrace Marshall starting to play a lot better football as this year has gone on. Yeah, that's a positive sign that you want to take because we know they're going to be looking to uh, upgrade at a lot of positions, and that second receiver is one of them, so I'm sure the more plays that he makes the happier they're going to be that they feel like maybe they have that position solidified. Did you have a couple plays on offense yeah, that you wanted to go to? I got a couple plays, baby. What you mean? No, I'm just asking. Right, let's go. So, <laughs> so third quarter, second and eight, uh, DJ Moore had a drop. Uh, they kind of hurt right there because in a game, especially when you get to the third quarter, you need every play that you can get, obviously. This offense needs something. You never know which play can be that spark. And I feel like that's one of the things, not to say that DJ Moore drops a lot of balls, but those are some of the plays that kind of would get him on that path to being a guy that people really look at, not saying an eight-yard completion, but just saying that in general, him being a guy that they can count on to make plays down in and down out because we've seen him drop some key ones like the Atlanta game before he caught the big one, and that's kind of the story of him. He'll, you know, big play here, yeah. drop here. And it's where you don't look at him as a guy that you necessarily fear when we talked about and had that conversation. Um, so, yeah, what say you about that with, with DJ? Well, DJ, game? look, man, the, the, the calculus on DJ for me is that I think most of the struggles this year have been on awful quarterback play. That's just what it is, in my opinion. I think that the evidence the last three years is pretty overwhelming when you go to over 1,100 yards and he's flirting with 1,200 yards despite Teddy Bridgewater being the best QB. But I'm not going to get it crazy and say that that drop didn't hurt them. That's the problem with the Carolina Panthers. And I said this as kind of a theme yesterday a couple of times throughout the show. The margin for error is almost non-existent. In fact, it might be accurate to say the margin for error is non-existent. So if you have a dropped pass, done. Because you already are getting rid of the lone pass you have in the three plays before you're most likely going to punt it. It's That's how bad the offense is. So you're right. That was a huge play that DJ Moore couldn't come up with, and it really hurt this offense. And, of course, you can't trust Baker Mayfield to make accurate throws throughout the rest of the game. Yeah, and so then the other one I had was uh, at 132 to go in the third quarter, second and nine, Ike Aquano gets a penalty, yeah. which has been kind of a theme with him the last couple of weeks. He's been racking up uh, the penalties. Which, yeah, you know, that's he, been a problem. Yeah. yeah, he's he's had a tough assignment. And then on the subsequent play on the third down, puts him behind the chains even more. But what an awful call 
They ran a short pass to Blackshear where the play was clearly designed to go to him. There was no sitting back, looking, looking, looking. Okay, I'll drop it off to him. It was like, snap, roll out, throw it to him. And I was like, are you kidding me? Like, you guys aren't even going to try to get the first down? Like, this is... Where it's going to go, no matter what. That's where the conservative nature really hurts you. Oh, Let's man. actually switch this up, and we'll do just the offense for this segment, and then we'll focus on the defense a little bit later on. And let's focus on Steve Wilkes a little bit more with his comments on DJ Moore. Here's Steve on how DJ was taken out of the game. He got doubled a couple of times based off what they were doing defensively. But we got to find a way. Other guys got to uh, find a way to get open, and we got to spread the ball around. So that's kind of putting the onus on other players outside of DJ Moore. Here he is talking a little more about DJ needing to make the most of his opportunities. DJ, got he has to catch the ball when the ball is thrown to him. That's number one. That's going to help him out to increase his yardage and opportunities. Yes, two, teams have been trying to double him, you know, because he is that threat. And then offensively, as as, uh, as, a, as a staff, we got to find more creative ways to get him the ball. So there's a combination of all three. Yeah, so bad quarterback play, conservative play calling. I will say the DJ Moore catch that he had with just his left hand to bring it on the sideline, that was a pretty damn good catch doesn't erase the problem where he did have the dropped pass too but he does need to catch on to it the other thing is i think there's more weight at least in my opinion of other players needing to one be able to separate but really wes it's it's the poor quarterback play like when baker mayfield's in dj moore doesn't have as good of numbers when pj walker plays or sam darnold plays last year dj moore has better numbers there is a theme that you cannot ignore anymore when baker is playing qb dj moore is extremely limited that's just how it's been and that reared its head once again against the baltimore ravens let's take a quick break Let's talk some more college football. Maybe get to some of your text on the text line, 704-570-9610, about what you saw this weekend. Maybe you want to talk about the video game that, unfortunately, the debut was delayed till one year later or two years later, even in 2024, which is disappointing. But we're going to talk about Drake May and whether he was effectively taken out of the Heisman race after this past weekend. Wesson Walker Sports Radio, 92.7 WFNZ. on the Wesson Walker Show, Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. You can text in the Garage Door Guru text line 704-570-9610. 704 number wrote in. It's almost like Baker had an issue with number one receivers before he even got here. And that's holding DJ Moore back. Yes, that was the Odell Beckham Jr. problem in Cleveland. Do you think DJ's dad right now is putting together a low-light reel of Baker Mayfield throws in a Carolina uniform? How good do you think DJ Moore would be if he played with one of the top guys? What do you think that he would be up there with any of the guys? Like, And I'm saying that when you look at – because it's easy to say, okay, yeah, if he played with one of the elite guys, he would have this many more catches or this, that, and a third. But when you watch him from the eye test, his game, Can how I, here's, high do you think he could go? Here's actually one of my biggest pet peeves about sports radio and sports conversation. It's the word elite. Mm -hmm. Because I do think elite means top five, basically. Mm -hmm. And maybe not even that. So when we would have the, the classic joke about, is Joe Flacco elite? No, right? The elite quarterbacks, they were Peyton Manning, Tom Brady, Drew Brees, Aaron Rodgers, you know, maybe Russell Wilson, Big Ben for a little bit. But like, that was it. 
You know, I mean, you can be a pro bowler and not be elite. And DJ Moore is not a top five wide receiver. I don't think a ton of people are arguing that. I'm sure there are some Panthers fans that argue that he's a top five guy. But he's not better than Jamar Chase, Cooper Cup. He's not better than Justin Jefferson. Stephon Diggs is better than DJ. Like, I get that. I do think that he is a borderline top 10 receiver. If you look at his numbers with the QB play that he has had, it's actually pretty incredible. And he's done it in multiple ways. He can do it on a lot more receptions three years ago and last year, or he can do it as a deep threat the lone year Teddy Bridgewater was here. Well, he did not. I think he finished with not even 70 receptions that year, but still had a lot of yards because he did it as a deep threat where he was a monster. The touchdown numbers are low. I do think touchdown numbers are misleading, and I think you can point to Julio Jones as to reason why, because Julio was as big a freak Mm -hmm. in the NFL as there was, and for some reason, the touchdown numbers were low, and yet nobody would really say Calvin Ridley was better than Julio, even though the touchdown numbers were better for Calvin Ridley. So I think DJ Moore is a very good wide receiver in the league. No, he's not top five. I think there are cases you can make to put him in the top ten, and if you gave him a really good QB, I think that he could actually reach a 1,300-yard total because he's already got to close to 1,200 with Teddy Bridgewater being the best QB. That's the problem. The the DJ discourse, man, like I I get that Carolina Panthers fans are really high on him, but it's because there's so much frustration with what he could be, and obviously QBs can hold him back. Hell, people were mad the year where DJ was used as a deep threat because Teddy was favoring Robbie Anderson as a higher-targeted guy, and DJ Moore just wasn't getting the ball fed to him as much. So finally, it just feels a little too convenient that this year, where you get the worst quarterback play we've seen, and we've had some bad ones, Kyle Allen, Teddy Bridgewater is the best one, Last year with Sam, out of all those guys we just mentioned, look at the numbers. Baker has been the worst QB out of any of those guys playing in a Panther uniform. And now this is the year where DJ Moore isn't going to reach 1,100 yards. DJ deserves better than Matt, that, in my opinion, man. So, like, no, he's not top five. Top ten, we can argue, and you could have some cases for whatever. Mm-hmm. But he is absolutely a Pro Bowl-level receiver, and that's how I evaluate DJ. Okay. Is that fair? Yeah. All right. Let's move on from DJ Moore, and let's talk a little bit about a quarterback that could be good throwing him the football if Carolina would be lucky enough to get their hands on him, and that would be Drake May. Mm -hmm. I don't care if he struggled against Georgia Tech. I think we all don't care that he struggled against Georgia Tech. You'd still still take him number one or number two or number two, right? In those times. Yeah, 100% as far as the NFL draft is concerned, but maybe not when it comes to the Heisman race. This is a question that I asked you earlier in the show, and I'll ask you again, Wes, for the people that are joining us at 1.24 p.m. Do you think with the performance he had against Georgia Tech – where he didn't even reach, I don't think, 220 yards of total offense. Do you think that performance effectively took him out of the Heisman race? Yes, it did. Uh, the ACC's reputation, strength of schedule, especially for North Carolina, if he would have had a big national game on his resume that he played well in, if they'd have played a Georgia or a Oregon or somebody like that earlier in the season that he would have had that to fall back on, I think that helps. But the fact that, like I said, you lost to what at that time was an average uh, Notre Dame team and for long portions of that game you weren't playing very well and then now in this game against a very subpar Georgia Tech team at home you don't even get the benefit of the doubt of it being in Atlanta you were at home in a game that you were supposed to dominate I mean all his numbers were just down 53 percent completions 
zero touchdowns. This probably will be the only game of his career that he doesn't throw a touchdown unless he gets hurt. 13 yards rushing. I mean, he was just not the Drake May. On 14 attempts, still a lot of attempts. Yeah. yeah, this is not the Drake May that we've come to know and love. And that's the thing I think that he'll learn from this is that if you want to win that Heisman, you got to be on every week, baby. Like you can't, you don't necessarily have to have career defining games every week, but you got to bring it. You can't, you can't have the type of performance he had against Georgia Tech and expect to win a Heisman. Not at North Carolina. No, I think you might no. be right. I, I, you can have that performance early if you're a C.J. Stroud and it's not a marquee game. Yeah, but game. if you've got a game to fall back on, that marquee match. I, I will say. Clemson is still going to be huge. And this is this is the reason, if you'll indulge me, on my case. I will indulge you. <laughs> on Drake oh. May not being out completely of the Heisman race. If you look at the other guys uh-huh. that are supposed to be up there, uh-huh. possibly going to New York, mm-hmm. most of them really didn't have that great of a weekend either. You go to Bryce Young. Who the injury might have hurt him a little bit. Yeah, had he's the, done. I, I don't even uh, consider him anymore. Fair enough. But if you were one of those people that still had Bryce Young with an outside shot, mm-hmm. he actually posted his lowest QBR of the season against Austin P. Will Healy's former team had 220 passing yards and the QBR of Drake May posting 34.8. Bryce Young had a lower QBR than Drake May did yeah. against Austin P. So Bryce Young, not going to be in the mix. Blake Corum, running back for Michigan. The argument against him is that it takes dumb numbers to win at running back. Yeah. If you're going to be a running back and get the Heisman Award, mm-hmm. you got to play for a championship contender. You got to play for all, maybe even the champion, maybe even the number one team. And the reason I know that is because we can go back to Derrick Henry and we can go back to Mark Ingram. And those guys put up some crazy numbers. But Blake Corum put up a lot. And this weekend, he had 108 yards against Illinois, 39 receiving. 39 and was the limited mo- time because he went out. Uh, yeah. The third quarter. That's right. I think he's going to no, be no, okay. No, he went out second quarter. And I think he's going to be okay from what I from what I heard from him with the injury coming up this weekend. But we don't know for sure. I, I could have that mistaken. Well, that's what I was thinking that too. This could be a huge moment. For yeah. Him because coming in with a knee injury, so if you see a little limpy you know, like the, at the like beginning the, of the half, the Willis Reed moment, cold, snowing, and then he <laughs> comes out and busts them up for 180 and some touch. That's going to be I, ginormous. The Blake Corum case for me is that he did not blow Drake May out of the water, though, right? Injury or whatever. I don't think Blake Corum separated himself so much so that Drake May doesn't have a shot to pass Blake Corum in the Heisman race. Hendon Hooker, the bleepiest news of the weekend, the one that sucked the most. Bleepy. <laughs> Suffered a torn ACL out for the year. I I mean, if you're a college football fan, you hate that. Yeah. I I. Plus, we can get into a little bit of how that affects his NFL draft stock because there are questions surrounding that as well. But Hendon Hooker suffering a torn ACL, South Carolina beating up on Tennessee. Even if he didn't tear that ACL, maybe that takes him out too, Um, even if it was the defensive performance against South Carolina that really hurt Tennessee the most. And C.J. Stroud, who might be the favorite, or used to be besides this weekend, less than 240 yards of total offense for C.J. Stroud, did not look amazing in this game. So that means only about 30 more yards than Drake May and what he posted against Georgia Tech. Now, here's the name that separated himself this weekend. He's the Heisman favorite or hopeful that had by far the best performance of the weekend, and that's Caleb Williams. 470 total yards passing, 30 rushing, 500 yards against UCLA, and one rushing touchdown to boot. Caleb Williams, Wes, if you were to argue, as you are, saying that Drake May has completely taken himself out of the Heisman race, 
Caleb Williams is the guy you look at and say, if he doesn't mess it up, then he's going to be the guy that wins in New York at the end of the day. And you know the thing, we forget about him a lot because he plays on the West Coast. He plays at a lot of times where people are asleep or getting ready to go to bed or dozing off trying to watch them play. I stayed up and watched a good majority of that USC game. I mean, I know about him in Oklahoma. We all know about him if you pay attention to college football. He is legit, and I legit forgot about him when we talked about NFL draft yeah. next year. Him and Drake May, that is going to be a fascinating race to see who ends up number one uh, between those two. But I think also some names we'd be remiss as I'm sitting here looking at the odds from the four major sports books. But uh, right now, when you talk about uh, aggregate uh, average of mm. these guys, you're going Caleb Williams, C.J. Stroud, Blake Corn, Max Duggan, who we have not talked about, Jaden yeah. Daniels, Bo Nix, all ahead of Drake May uh, at this point. So, and and I, so if you look at the odds, that and that's true. I, the Duggan thing, man. I mean, if you look at him against Texas Tech, 195 passing, 124 against Texas. And those were among the last couple games that he played. Now, Baylor 320. But they're dubs. I'm throwing them up in the studio. I know y'all <laughs> can't see them. But they're dubs. He's unblemished. He's just a blue-collar quarterback for a blue-collar team. Okay, and that and that's fine. I'm not – I just – man, the stats, they got to be there a little bit. And they just weren't there for two straight weeks. Now, it's not like the rushing yards were overwhelming. He actually, yeah. if you combined the two weeks against Texas Tech and Texas, he ran for, yes, a negative 35 total to go on top of the 195 and 124 passing totals. Like, for me, it's just, they're still, that. that's why I still don't think it's, it's crazy to say Drake May has a shot. And I get it. North Carolina, not the marquee program like in Ohio State, like some of these other ones. But NC State against a good defense. If Drake May does the whole 350 and 50, 400-yard total offense, and then follows that up with a performance against Clemson and has crazy stats, Caleb Williams is the only one that really is ahead, in my opinion, statistically right now. And that's the case I'll make for Drake May yeah, to still be in it. No doubt. But I think that, like I said, at this point, I think it's too little too late. The shine is definitely off of NC State at this point, And the shine is a little bit off of Clemson. When you talk about the game's the magnitude of the games that these guys are going to have at the end of the season, I just don't know that Drake May will be in the mind enough of the voters. C.J. Strauss got the Michigan game. Then he's going to have the Big Ten championship game. Caleb Williams is going to have the Pac-12 championship game. Uh, you know, all these guys are going to have huge moments that are going to mean so much more for their teams. Like we talk about a Max Duggan, but Max Duggan is going to have a championship game where a berth in the college football playoffs, their first ever at TCU is going to be on the line. That's going to trump uh, Drake May beating Clemson in the in the ACC championship where neither one of those teams are going anywhere. Jaden Daniels, again, in the SEC championship, if Jaden Daniels comes out and lights it up, well, against Georgia. Here's what I'll say, though. Like, He's a dark horse. You're you're bringing up a lot of names, and that's because nobody has clearly run away with it. No, but all these guys have such big moments that's going to overshadow Drake May beating Clemson because at this point, nobody's taking Clemson as seriously as they once did. Jaden Daniels goes in, lights up Georgia. They get the upset. It's, he it's, may be going to New York. It's, it's going to take – it's going to take the big performance in championship weekend – to really separate yourself because no yes. one's done that. Caleb I'd Williams is the only one. I agree. Because, I mean, there's also a scenario where let, let's do this under the hypothetical that Drake May does perform under Clemson and mm -hmm. does the whole 350 and, and 50 rushing yards thing. And that's not a foregone conclusion. I'm uh -huh. just saying this to, to see if Drake May truly is out of it. If C.J. Stroud 
under 300 yards total offense, maybe in a loss, but even in a win and doesn't have the moment because the the moment that we talked about was Hendon Hooker beating Alabama. Where is it now? Right? Like, I don't think it's come yet to your point. That's fair championship weekend. That will be the time, but it hasn't happened yet. And if it hasn't happened yet, and Drake may leads the heels on this game winning touchdown to knock off Clemson as ACC champions. That's going to be huge. That's going to be a huge moment for Drake May to still go to New York at least and be in the top three. But, folks, I want to take a minute to put a little shine on myself right here, okay? Because we're sitting here talking about how it's going to take championship Saturday to get you to New York. Isn't this what I've been preaching with the quarterback power rankings? You have to win the big games on top of the stats. It takes championship moments, big moments, big games to define you. As a quarterback. Wes, you are a relatively healthy player all throughout Wake Forest. And I feel like right there, you separated your shoulder, reaching for that take and or patting yourself on the back. No, not at all. This is what I'm talking about. And I'll say all that to say it should come down to championship Saturday for us to decide who wins the Heisman. I want to see you in the biggest moments. I want to see you in the biggest games because, yeah, CJ Strass don't blow your way, but it's still a damn good season. I mean, he's got – one, two, three, oh, no. four I mean, games yeah. of five touchdown passes or more. I mean, he's he's got some gaudy stats. It's not as gaudy as Drake's, but it should take you beating and winning the biggest games for us to realize who the best player in the country is. Well, no, is. That, that's the point, though. That's what brings Drake May into the conversation because, you're. yeah, I'm not saying C.J. Stroud isn't in the running by any means. I No, but see- a lot of people want to point to the fact that Drake May's numbers dwarf his in so many categories, which they do. But that's how but he, he still this is how he wins. Yeah. If he was Adam Sandler sure. in Uncut Gems, yeah. the crazy stats are how he wins because yeah. you're right. He's not going to have the same love that Ohio State is going to get. And that Ohio State-Michigan game, that's the thing. That is the platform where you have the opportunity to go ahead and win that Heisman Trophy. Drake May is going to have to count on a C.J. Stroud and maybe even a Caleb Williams over there with USC struggling in a championship-type performance. And if that happens and Drake May capitalizes, that's just why I think, for me, I didn't look at Georgia Tech and say, oh, well, now there's no way in hell. I didn't get that after the Yellow Jackets performance. But I do think that there is a shot still that he could go to New York. I do want to know what Fitty thinks. Yeah, I I do want to go to Fitty and see what you were thinking about the whole Drake May chance. Even college football junkie. As you look at all of the other players that are up there in the top five with the highest Heisman odds, do you think there is still a case where Drake May, one, could win it, and if not win it, still go to New York City? Win it, no. I think the only way he gets there is if guys like C.J. Stroud, Caleb Williams, Blake Corum do what he did against Georgia Tech, Mm -hmm. which is fall flat on his face. And, and so I, I do feel like if he comes out and he puts up, you know, 300 yards, four tuds on Friday and then does the same thing against Clemson, I, I still think he gets to New York because the numbers that he's put up are utterly ridiculous. But I, I do feel like after what Caleb Williams did last weekend, this award is is his to lose. And I think the runner up's going to be the, the winner of Ohio State, Michigan. If Blake Corum puts on a performance that he's capable of, which Wes said 180 and some tuds. If he goes out and does that and leads Michigan back to the Big Ten championship and the playoff, he's got to be strongly considered because if you take him away, I don't think Michigan's a is a playoff 100%. team. Yeah, some some good news for Charlotte fans, by the way. You know who recruited Blake Corum to yeah, Michigan? Pogey. It's that man, Biff Maybe Pogey. Maybe you can bring him. Straight <laughs> Biffin, dog. Yeah, just bring him to Charlotte. I don't know what that means, but I like it.
Straight they can Memphis. win the Heisman and then go ahead and bring him to Charlotte. Uh, that would be fantastic. Let's make the case coming up in the next segment, but not before the Fitty Flash. What you got for us, Fitty? Well, guys, some injury news coming out from the NFC South as uh, Falcons tight end Kyle Pitts is on the IR. He's going to have mm. MCL surgery. Another, I think it was another defensive lineman is going on the IR for the Dirty Birds. So even though the Panthers are three and eight. You know, the door is still open, I would say, if teams continue to lose and the Panthers find a way to steal a win or two. Also, yesterday, Jets head coach Robert Sala met with the media and said after the Jets gained two yards of offense in the second half, they averaged 2.6 inches per play in the second half at New England, but he will not <laughs> commit to Zach Wilson as the starter. I think that's a pretty telling move that he's willing to 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 potentially bench Zach Wilson because the Jets are six and four and they're right there in the thick of things in that AFC playoff picture. We're gonna have that conversation and how it pertains to Carolina in the two o'clock hour Perfect. when we discuss Zach Wilson not being a sure thing. Is this something that should scare you if you're a Panther fan and maybe deter you from drafting a quarterback in the first round if you're not really feeling him like that, especially with Drake May and Caleb Williams coming out in the next NFL draft. We'll get to that in just a moment. Plus, it's keep sounding. We'll play some more Steve Wilkes sound bites and even Matt Rule. How about Matt Rule? He actually spoke with Good Morning Football, making the media rounds, breaking his silence. We'll get to some of what he had to say. Wesson Walker, Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. It's the Wesson Walker Show, Sports Radio, 92.7 WFNZ. I really enjoy the genuine emotion Wes just came across with when he saw Sabaro, a pizza place in every awesome food court out there in America, liked a tweet mentioning us and Sabaro when uh, we were talking about some of the best restaurants in food courts. You seemed very genuinely excited when they liked to tweet that way they were in because you do think they're straight fire, as you might say. Oh, man, I've liked Sabaro since I was a kid, man. You go over there and get a slice. We had, uh, I had that like a few months ago. One of them on got a couple of slices, man. But Sabaro is really good pizza. I mean, it's, 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 it's really good. Isn't it hilarious how you get that genuine level of excitement when you tweet about a business whether it be bojangles or something and then they like your tweet it's like oh okay oh cool. yeah i don't know why but it does make your day a little bit better and we got action i'm having some correspondence with them right now are you talking <laughs> what are you doing are you cooking something up with samara you know, i'm looking out for the boy did you dm them i didn't dm them but we're having a little bit of talk they 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 liked the tweet then they replied and they said um you know, no straight up sponsorships quite yet, but they said we're working on a plan for 2023 to support audio creators who are wild about our slices. But I said, hey, what about a couple of pies to the studio? <laughs> I, that is amazing. Come on now. I I am a huge fan of that, and I appreciate you yeah. doing that. Yeah, you actually trying to take care of Listen, us. I was a salesman in my earlier career. I can tell. Um, I would love <laughs> to have a pizza pie here in the studio yeah. to go along with our donuts. Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, I, yeah, I'm going to be feeling like hell later on if we did get a pizza delivered here. 704-570-9610. Feel free to share your thoughts on the Garage Door Guru text line. Let's go to Keep Sounding, and it's a familiar voice. Matt Rule spoke when he's been making the media rounds. Not only Good Morning Football, I believe he 
joined a CBS show, if I'm not mistaken, too. So there was a couple things he had to say. And here's Matt Rule talking about the time that he had here in Carolina, uh, Carolina as he reflected. I don't know why I put an F in there. I think when I look back at my time in Carolina, I look back on it fondly. I'll say that first. Yeah. I think I'll always take away from it that, that no matter what level you coach, when I've coached at FCS, I've coached at Division Three, I've co coached at Group of Five, Power Five, and in the NFL, mm -hmm. it always comes down to relationships. Mm -hmm. And if I, if I could go back, I wish I would have done a better job in year one and year two of having really strong relationships with the players. And I, you know, I can blame COVID and masks and all mm -hmm. those things, but... But, but last year, at the end of last year, I, I got together with Shaq Thompson. I got together with Christian McCaffrey. And you know what? I went back to just being you know, Coach Matt, you know, the guy that was coaching at Temple, the guy that was running around a T-shirt and shorts and having fun with it. It didn't end the way I wanted it to, but I, you know, I'm proud I never lost the locker room. Mm. I'm proud that you know, those guys fought and stood up for me to the very end. And what do you make of these comments from Matt Rule as he's making the media rounds, breaking the silence, I guess, what, are we two months away now from when he was let go as the mm -hmm. Panthers head coach? We're getting close. It's certainly over a month. What are you making of those comments that you just heard? Um, You know, at first I was like, well, you know, no-ish, because I'm like, you want to have a, <laughs> a thing. But then I'm thinking of two schools of thought, because Belichick doesn't do that, and we see how much it's worked for him. I think some coaches have different schools of thought with that. If I were a coach, I mean, I feel like it's next to impossible to be around guys as much as you're around a football team and not have personal relationships. You see their families, you, you see their kids and different things. And just shooting the stuff with a guy talking, you know, you're going to pick up little things about it and you might find you have some things in common and then you develop a relationship. So how Belichick is able to keep separate uh, personal and business, you know, is just an art in itself. But, um, yeah, I think especially when you're a guy coming in from college, I think there are things that you need to do to buy into guys feeling like they can believe in you in some way because they're already going to be slightly skeptical because you came from college. You have a lot to prove to them. So I think one way to help guys to buy in is to develop those personal relationships or when you get to know guys and they know some of your quirks, they can help some of the other guys who don't know some of those things. So I think there are a lot of benefits to having personal relationships with players, but it can also be detrimental because you end up holding on to guys too long or overpaying them or different things like that too. Well, and the problem with that is the fact that he had contractual control over personnel, 51%. Yeah. So it's not a big deal if you develop these great relationships. In fact, you should embrace them as much as possible and let the GM do the GM thing. Yeah. So the coach doesn't have a say mm -hmm. on how long you hold on to a player. Now, Marty Herney and Ron Rivera would talk about every personnel move made. And that was straight from Marty Herney saying, hey, we, I would talk to Ron and we would have that kind of conversation every single time I made a move. Scott Fitterer, Matt Rule, same thing, because they both had a hand in making those decisions on who would stay with the team and who wouldn't. But that is exactly why it doesn't work. It's because these coaches develop some really close relationships and you might hold on to them too long. So allow the general manager to make the move on moving on from a certain player trading them, letting somebody else go, whatever. That's why it pretty much, I would say 95% of the time doesn't work when a coach has that GM control. And even for Bill Belichick, man, I mean, Bill Belichick, the GM has not been good lately. And maybe this is the year you do think he's been a pretty good head coach without Tom Brady, but Bill Belichick, I think he's the best coach of all time. I do. But also, we've seen a little bit more struggles coming his way, and you have that control from Bill Belichick controlling the personnel. So I completely agree. I, I wonder if Matt Rule had it over, had it to do over again, 
whether he would actually want control over personnel. You know, maybe he would. I don't know. But I do think at the end of the day, that really hurt him in keeping this job because he wasn't able to absolve himself of any responsibility with some of the personnel decisions that they made. Yeah, one thing, though, I was going to say, too, is also it can also be a hindrance in a locker room because if you have a coach that does have that power you're talking about and then develops yep. personal relationships with players, then you're going to get guys that become the favorites and teammates. The Baylor guys. Or it, it, and especially if you know a guy's personality and you see that they act different when the coach comes around and they're kissing up and stuff like that because that's one of the biggest things I hate. I hate a kiss ass. All right, okay? we – all right, we, we do have a uh, special phone call. Did you want to keep going? No, 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 no. I'm sorry. Go no, ahead. you're good. No, you looked at me. No, it's I, be good. We, 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 we have a special <laughs> phone call coming in okay. at 704-570-9610. I don't know if we're going to be able to take other phone calls, but we do have one special one. Jim Selania, the legend that is on the line. Jim, I think this is our first time talking, man. How are you? Yeah, it's your first time. Hopefully not the last. And, uh, I wanted to uh, congratulate you guys and welcome to the show. Welcome to the station. Man, I appreciate that means a lot, Jim. We really appreciate that, man. Thanks again. Well, and you won't believe how good you'll be in a year from now. I just, I just said that to Wes. I mean, I, I know from experience. I mean, if you've been there for one year, you're going to be amazed at how bad you were and how good you are now. I'm just, <laughs> you know, hey, hey, Wes, that sound effect. I got to. I, I got a sound effect for you. You know that noise you make. You guys were talking about a year, about a, about a week ago. Seems like a year. My chicken, but, uh, my rooster. Is noise? that the rabid pigeon that you're talking about? Yeah. Well, here's the here's the here's the one I always use. Uh-huh. Uh, I remember that. <laughs> I remember that. Now that's a rooster. That is. That is not a pigeon or whatever you did last that's week. Not, that's a damn rooster if I've ever heard one. Yeah, that, that's that's a rooster. Now listen to how it ends. So, and I hope it doesn't happen to Wes. Oh yeah, I yeah. remember that because when I used to listen to them back in the day when he was still on here, I remember they used to do that. Was that was that, that was a staple of the old show that you guys yeah. had, Jim? Yeah, that was uh, that, that was a good one. And uh, yeah, there's there's many many staples. I wound up with the. Uh, I wound up with the instant replay machine. I didn't steal it, but I wound up with it. All right. Well, Jim, hey, that's fine. I won't tell anybody. Here's what I want to do. And Fiddy loves when we plan the show on the air. So what I want to do before we have to go to break, maybe we can work something to where we get an old soundbite of the day. Not even a sound, but just some imaging. You come in with the random sounder, and then that can be yet maybe a week. Not the day, but maybe a random sounder of the week. Maybe we can work something like that in there. Yeah, I'll do that, but here's what I think about it. Are you some kind of moron? Yeah, yeah. there you go. Perfect. That's excellent. Jim Selania, everyone, here on the Wesson Walker Show. Compliments from a legend. Yeah, compliments from a legend. I'll take that all day. Humbling to hear from him yes. on the Wesson Walker Show, and we appreciate that. Can't wait to hear some of the other sounders that he might have for us later on. Let's now go to the 2 o'clock hour, the last one, before we send it to the Kyle Bailey Show. What did you make of Steve Clifford's comments yesterday? We also have some more Steve Wilkes comments to get to at the start of the 2 o'clock hour on Wesson Walker Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ.